Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. On this episode, I talk with Dr. Stephanie, a clinical psychologist from Amsterdam. She enlightens us with her knowledge about how to discover our hidden childhood trauma, as well as how to overcome emotional immaturity. So these other parts of you, we're just going to pretend they're not there. These children grow up believing they have a high self-esteem because they're functioning, they're being praised, they're the golden child. Children. But then when they grow up, what they don't realize is that in, in, in meetings and in negotiations, they are very, they're terrified. They're terrified of being the imposter, right? Because they are, they are in a way imposter. They weren't uh, appreciated for who they were. Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Dr. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today and all the way from Amsterdam. I'm so excited you're here today. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kim. I'm very excited that I'm uh, invited by you. I really love your work and I really like uh, what you're, uh, how you're educating people on parenting and uh, I'm glad to speak about that today. Thank you so much. Well, I I adore your work too. I I really look to you for things for myself and also just to make sense of the world and my clients and things like that too. You give such amazing advice um, on Instagram and and on your social platforms. And I know today we're going to be focusing on emotional immaturity. We're going to be focusing a little bit on hidden traumas. And we're also going to be focusing a little bit about how abandonment and rejection in early childhood shows up in adulthood. So Mm -hmm. I'm ready to dive in. If you you are. So (laughs) the first question I have is, you know, how does hidden trauma show up in our lives? You know, you know, looking back, even on my own childhood, I think I had a great childhood. And if people ask me to describe my childhood, I would say it was great. You know, we did all the things as a family, we traveled and I had all my needs met and all the things, but then growing up and really taking a look, deeper look inside my childhood, there was a lot of what you call hidden traumas. And it really just clicked with me. It really made sense. So will you describe to everybody what a hidden trauma is or what it, what it could look like and how it could show up later in our lives? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hidden trauma, for instance, how could you find out if you're, if you might have hidden trauma? It could be like that you struggle to set boundaries, for instance. Because A, you have never developed real boundaries. You're so focused on the other people. Um, Or because you are afraid to be selfish if you set boundaries. Well, it's not easy going through life when struggling to set boundaries, right? It's impossible. No boundaries, no self, I say. 
right? Right. We need a self. So, and if we are, uh, I always say, do you, are you raising good children or authentic children? Ooh, so, good question. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's deep. I got to think about that one for a little bit. That's good. That's a good one. Okay. Keep going. I I love what you're saying. So, so are we a good person or an an amazing good person or um, are we our authentic person? So we might function very well, but inside we struggle to really uh, show up for ourselves or be our authentic self. We might for instance, sacrifice on being playful or because we feel that we need to help other people. We need to be the rescuer. So are we our authentic self or are we our role self, the fixer, the pleaser, the, the, the golden child now having to keep up the status? Um, or are, do we always feel worthless? And, you know, um, yeah, so these are a couple of examples of hidden wounds. Yes. And I know, and I'll add a few because um, I, I have your post in front of me because it just really grabbed me so much. And it says hidden trauma, um, you know, the parent can act out the wound onto the child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talking about parenting and how, let's say me as a parent, you know, how I can mm-hmm. act out my wounds onto my children is making them feel guilty, making them feel wrong, making them feel insignificant incompetent, making them feel like their emotions are wrong. I talk about that. I talk about that a lot about, you know, validating feelings. You know, um, this is a big one, fearing being disloyal to a parent, hmm. right? Um, those were just ones that really, really stood out to me of ones that I know I identified with. Um, and not, like I said, it's, it's hidden because it's not, it's not a trauma that we think about as, you know, getting in a big car accident or having a parent die at an early age. I mean, those are, are huge traumas, right? That are very obvious to everyone around us. And anyone who knows this knows, yeah. oh, they went through something very traumatic as a child, right? Or, or when your parent hit you, for instance. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but these hidden traumas are, are different. It's, it's much more internalized, you know, it's, it's, um, more manipulative. And I used to joke that, um, that I overcompensated for all the feelings of worthlessness as a child by getting my doctorate in psychology, (laughs) (laughs) you know, here I am at this higher, higher education. And, you know, it it was a goal of mine, obviously Mm -hmm. it was an intellectual goal of mine. It was a, a, a career goal of mine, but I think deep down, if I look real deep, that goal was really rooted in trying to prove myself to the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Trying to prove myself that I'm this important person, that I'm this smart person, that I'm this worthy person because I have this DR in front of my name. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you do you see that a lot in, in people? Maybe I, I call I say overcompensating, but um, kind of making up for that worthiness and, and kind of going after more of that perfectionist adulthood if they have those hidden traumas as a child. Yeah. Yeah, so much. And this is a great example. So what do we need as a child? There's two basic things. We need unconditional acceptance and boundaries. Okay, so unconditional acceptance. There's many mothers out there who believe that they're giving unconditional acceptance to their child. They think that when they tell their child, I love you 24-7, that's it. You know that I love you, whatever happens. And I also see moms who are doing an amazing job being very conscious of unconditionally accepting their child. So even when they become a little bit insecure, when the child is not performing well, making sure to to let the child know, you know, you're doing all right. 
What they don't realize is then that's why it's so important to not only focus on your behavior as a parent, but to focus on understanding your own self-structure. What they don't understand is that but when, for instance, someone has been raised with the golden child, that mm-hmm. they were, uh, you know, uh, praised for their qualities as, as opposed to the black sheep of the family, that child was never seen for who they were. So these children will grow up. They, they have been um, praised for their, uh, you know, for their, uh, their intelligence, their looks, their whatever. But this is the, the, the other part. Their, their, their flaws were ignored. So this, they turned a blind eye to their flaws. Oh. So what happens, the child gets the message, oh, my God, who I really am is despicable to them. Right. Or they're saying that this I'm so amazing, so clever, but I'm not that clever. So the child realizes that it is used by the parents. They need them to be the child to be who the parent needs them to be. So the child gets the message. You are. That's what they internalize. You are so despicable. We cannot we cannot have you the way you are. So just be who we want you to be. You're very smart and clever. So these other parts of you, we're just going to pretend they're not there. These children grow up believing they have a high self-esteem because they're functioning. They're being praised. They're the golden child, children. But then when they grow up, what they don't realize is that in, in, in meetings, in negotiations, they are very, they're terrified. They're terrified of being the imposter, right? Because they are, they are in a way imposter. They weren't uh, appreciated for who they were. And these parents, when you're not aware of this dynamic, you just think, okay, every now and then I'm, I'm insecure, and, but I'm functioning. They have amazing jobs, right? Because they're so successful, because they're talented. But with parenting, what, what will happen? First of all, these people are not their authentic selves. These people are the trophy, the trophy child, the trophy adult right now. So that's their, that's their idea of how they will be perceived by people around them based on their worth and their success, not on who they are. So what um, these moms might be very conscious and really want to raise an authentic child, right? They have the best intentions. Well, they're so uh, perfect and amazing. Of course, they might become perfectionistic also in being a perfect mom. Right. And they're doing an amazing job when you see how they try to be conscious, but what they're not aware of is how this uh, inferiority, which they're not aware of because they feel they're so successful, but feeling insignificant in a way in their essence, um, will result to needing the child to feed their ego. So unfortunately, the child needs to become the good child the amazing child. They don't have the luxury to allow, to regulate their own ego, their own feelings of insignificance. So they will need to brag to their child of how how high their education was, that they were the best in school. So the child, that they were the best in I don't know what. So the child grows up in fear because the underlying message that that child gets is, you know, I love you, honey. But, sorry, yeah. Oh, I was going to say the message to me is you're not good enough. So you need to keep trying harder or keep getting the validation from everywhere else in the world instead of your inner self. Exactly. So, honey, 
the reason this is the unconscious the hidden message is honey you know i love you but you just get one thing straight it's all about performance that's it so the child that's the hidden trauma boom the child that is a traumatic experience for the child the child grows up and says the child then says I am going to go to the best college. I'm going to become the best. So there you already have the trauma, the conditional acceptance. The child is forced to uh, distance themselves from the authentic, their authentic self. They become the role self to please mom, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And and it's hard because, like you said, that um, it's done so uh, covertly that you almost don't even know you're doing it as a parent or when you're the child, you don't even realize it's even happening. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's what makes it hard. And it is hard mm-hmm. to be authentic, uh, especially now with social media. I feel like it's hard to be sometimes your authentic self on there because that's a really vulnerable place to be in. If you're mm-hmm. your authentic self on social media for the world to see, if you have a public platform, let's say, mm-hmm. And you put yourself out there and you're having a bad day. It could go either way. People could think, oh, wow, she's really opening up and, you know, really sharing how her bad day is. I can completely relate to her and I'm going to, you know, reach out and share a nice message of encouragement with her. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> people could think, wow, that lady's a hot mess. And, you know, why is she out there, you know, you know, sharing all these things about her life. I don't really care what's going on in her life. You know, I have my own problems to worry about and it could almost, you know, go the other way too. So mm-hmm. it's hard because the more you put yourself out there, the more feedback you're going to get from other people. And it's not always going to be good. And that's that's hard to take because that's where the maybe like feelings of rejection can come in or abandon, uh, not really so much abandonment, but more of rejection of the world doesn't accept me for who I am. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, especially with social media, you see people almost having a persona that's not really their, their authentic self or their core self. It's this persona that they want people to see. Yeah. So they still look like they have their life together, even though we all know we don't. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So do you feel like social media um, does that? I mean, does it does it really push that that fake persona of who we want to be, but not really who we really are? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and such a social platform uh, um, uh, that everyone can can have their own opinion about who you are on there, essentially. Look, don't forget, to a degree, nobody is there 100%. I have no idea, like perhaps 2% in the world is there 100% authentic self or like hardly, you know, uh, spiritually, emotionally accomplished people who have raised, have, have that ability. Okay. So sure. I'm not my authentic self. I have a, I have an ego self. I have a, you know, a, how do, a, a false part of me or, you know, a, repre- a part that, that wants to show a, a sort of a kind of an image. Okay. Sure. Well, so don't That's- get me wrong. We all have that to a degree. I think what you're describing, yes, um, you will be judged in, in public, you will be, there's always this fear of rejection. Also healthy, of course, to a degree. It's important that we care about what other people think. It's bullshit when they say you shouldn't care about what other people think. Well, we do because we need to belong and we need to also be respectful of other people's emotions, etc. So to a degree, it makes sense. I think the degree to which we will be um, keeping on this image instead of being able to be stay authentic as much as we can on camera, social media, 
also has to do with the degree to which we have felt unconditionally accepted as a child. When we received that message, we received, you are inherently worthy. And then the feedback we and the criticism, it won't get to us to that degree. We will be able to distance ourselves and evaluate if it is constructive and it is something we need to listen to or not. But if our so if, if we have developed this image, our more false self, then yes, good luck handling criticism. Yeah, that's gonna be really tough. Yes. So let's let's go on and, and, and talk about we're gonna talk about the end after the break. We're gonna talk about how we can heal from some of these past wounds, how we can, you know, um somewhat um just heal in our lives, you know, and start having some self-compassion for ourselves. We'll talk about that near the end. But I want to keep going with this and talking about, um, you know, let's talk about rejection and even let's talk about abandonment and how that shows up later in, in adulthood, right? If we have that as a child, if we're maybe rejected by a parent, if we're meant to, um, if we're maybe even rejected by peers at school a lot, we're bullied. You know, this is October is National Bullying Prevention Month. So I, I do a lot with bully prevention and, you know, feeling rejected by peers is is horrific. It, it scars that last a lifetime, yeah, right? Yeah. So if we grow up in that type of environment where we feel like we're being rejected by our parents, we're rejected by our peers, um, and maybe even have some abandonment fears of, if I'm rejected by peers, that means I'm going to be alone and no one's going to love me. Therefore, you know, that abandonment fear starts setting in. How does that show up later in life as an adult? Yeah. So I'm thinking that perhaps we can also make a distinction between the fear of rejection as in simply the fear of rejection. They might not like me. They might think I'm ugly. They might, they don't want me in the group. Okay. So that's, you know, that's one aspect. So that's the simple, simple rejection. Right. And then, uh, which is not fun, by the way, but this is like very clear. Okay. They won't like me. They don't want me in their company. I'm not a good enough. Uh, that person would like another partner because I'm just not, that's very clear and simple, clear. So that's one thing. When we have the abandonment fear specifically, not the rejection fear, but the abandonment fear, that could look more like, um, as soon as you attach to someone, you really, someone is important to you, you feel seen, you have this, sometimes it might feel that um, you might fear that they will leave you. Okay. Right. So these are, we can still separate those two. But so it's even, it seems like a, a, a higher layer than rejection. Like rejection mm -hmm. means they just don't like you, but then if they leave you, yes. that's, you know, a higher level of trauma. All right. I love what we're talking about when it comes to rejection and abandonment. We're mm -hmm. going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about that a little bit more. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life. And sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children. Okay, so we were talking about rejection and abandonment, and we were talking about how there's different layers and uh, of 
how it feels like inside of the fear of rejection and the fear of abandonment and how that shows up um, if we feel that way as a child and how that shows up in adulthood. So will you continue with what you were saying in just what that looks like and you know how we can identify it in ourselves and how that shows up in our relationships later on in life? Yeah, so if we feel that we are insignificant or there's something shameful about us, uh, we might fear that people will reject us. Um, so that's one aspect or take criticism personally, etc. So, and then we have the fear of abandonment. So that is the fear of someone leaving you, someone to which you feel attached and that person leaving you. Um, and that has to do often with several things, but first of all, that we haven't been able, we haven't experienced caregivers that we could trust that they would be there, always be there. And I'm not talking about that they left us. I'm talking about emotional abandonment. Mm -hmm. Emotional abandonment could look like receiving the silent treatment. That's a very clear abandonment. 100%. As long as you don't behave this way, you hurt mommy. You are nothing to me. You will. I'm not here for you anymore. Of course, this is all hidden, right? This is right. Not over right. Here. That's the whole problem. Okay. So then, Absolutely. but what we need, a child needs, is that the parent will be there and keep the child in mind, have the child in mind, not just bail on them as soon as they behave badly, because that's the child's job, right? To disobey every now and then, or when the child is triggering their wounds of not feeling seen or whatever. Anyway, so... That means that these children, um, as they have an internalized of, of, uh, an attachment figure that they can count on, who won't just leave them with with anything, you know. But these people now struggle because they don't have internalized that 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 other important person will not just abandon them like that with no reason. They fear that all the time. If that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. So what would that fear look like? I'm thinking about a past relationship and how I know rejection and abandonment were this this person's triggers. They were, they were for a multitude of reasons. And I remember whenever we'd get into an argument and I was it was getting too heated and I said, "You know what? Can can we just stop or can you just, you know, take a break? Can you just, you know, just stop yelling or whatever the case is." And I, I feel like I would always ask in a very like calm and respectful way. Mm -hmm. And their response was always, or what? What are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? And they always felt threatened. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Is that, you know, based from, let's say, those those hidden traumas or even some other bigger traumas in, in childhood to always feel um, like they're hypervigilant and they're, they're always feeling threatened and criticized mm -hmm. and, and rejected and so forth? Yeah. Hmm. So when a, someone responds in that way, it's clear that that person has a high arousal level, right? They're already feeling very anxious. And we should not mistake. Often what we will see is anger. Very right. angry. We can call it sometimes uh, psychopathic behavior as in that person can become like really angry, really cold. Absolutely. And then you're like, what's going on here? Yeah. And yeah. what changed? What is the sudden change? What happened? Yeah. While inside, they are terribly frightened. Mm -hmm. And they feel that what you're just saying to them is, listen, 
I'm done with you. I'm out. I, I'm not going to see you anymore. You, this is it. This is it. You spoiled it. That's it. Because that's how their parent might have responded as a child, hypothetically speaking. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's interesting when you, when you really look at it, right? When you really dissect relationships. And that's why I love what we do. I love psychotherapy. I love, you know, really analyzing relationships and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how our childhood impacts our adulthood, especially when it comes to parenting. So I'm, I'm loving this conversation. So yeah, and to continue yeah. On, on that one, because yeah, this, this you, you're hitting the nail on the head. This is a very, you need to understand that this will not only happen in relationships, that person might be triggered in the same way by their five-year-old. Right. Okay. Don't forget that. Probably a a parent will think I would never do this to my child because my child would never do that to me. I would never do that. That child is innocent. Wait until that wound is triggered. It will really perceive the child abandoning them. And then hell breaks loose. You are abandoning mommy. You are treating, you're making mommy sad. You are, are you going to play with that? And you're, you're going to go to daddy. You're not going to stay with mommy. So that exact same behavior will be acted out on the child. And the child then develops, will, um, will struggle to develop, you know, the individuation separation process. And the child will internalize this inner critic for the rest of their lives if this happens regularly. Like, you are a bad person, bad, selfish person. will be haunting hidden trauma, I call it in a way then. will be haunting the child forever. will be struggling to really set boundaries to anyone because they feel they got, they just received the message. You are selfish for making mommy feel this way. We are not capable of making someone feel that way. We're not responsible for that. We might trigger their wounds. We might disappoint them, but they are responsible for dealing with their own emotions. An emotionally immature parent will struggle, will will not be able to realize that they really believe you caused me this pain because you view mommy as sad now, which is traumatic to the child. Child cannot deal with that. That is way too much of a responsibility. Wow. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm trying to picture that in my head, mm. what that would look like, and mm. you know, looking in from the outside, and it's it's traumatic to watch too. Not even just to be in that in that moment, but if I was watching that relationship transpire between a parent and a child, that that that'd be hard to watch even mm. from an out as an outsider, right? Yeah. Um. So you mentioned emotional immaturity. Let's let's talk about that just for a few minutes, and you know, just learning about what that looks like. I know. Um, you mentioned a few things on on your social media when it comes to gray thinking versus black and white thinking. Mm-hmm. So we can go into that. Um, and then just, you know, on the same topic of what we've been talking about and having those hidden traumas show up in being emotionally mature and responding when when there is conflict and being, like you said, triggered with some of those wounds, you know, how does that show up? Does it look like that person is, you know, constantly being offended, constantly um you know, being defensive when it comes to their reactions to their partner. Um, how else can it show up? And if you can go into that a little bit, that'd be great if, you know, so people can know if, you know, they're um, reacting emotionally immature um, and how they can maybe be more aware of that. Yeah. So I think it would be already 
great if you would be able to identify what what when you feel when someone triggers when something triggers you to your towards your children for instance if you feel hostility whatsoever amazing that might be you know the key because that might be a hidden hidden wound of not feeling seen not feeling listened to not feeling respected not feeling appreciated not feeling validated okay and that also goes in the relationship with your partner or with friends not feeling that that person has you in mind that they care about you you forgot my birthday so you don't care about me okay and then if you're able to um that's why listening to our emotions that's our inner compass compass is everything is the gateway to everything when we can feel the anger that might be a wound and the anger might also be a covering up underlying fear of abandonment mm-hmm. so often people will struggle and be raged you know but actually what that example with that guy you know saying oh so what are you what are you going to do about it what are you you know right that's the anger but underlying probably there's terrible fear terrible fear so if people would be able to identify when they get angry that might be a sign they're triggered and then find out is there underlying fear or sadness so does this does this trigger my abandonment wound does this trigger me being insignificant and i feel not seen does it trigger me not being considered as a child not being considered i feel not considered and i'm become angry so yeah that's okay. these are examples yeah. And even thinking about how I know I, I you know, since I work with a lot of children and, and their parents um, in, in most of my work, I, I notice this a lot where if a child, like you said, that five-year-old child, you know, when they can set off that, that, that wound, you know, and, and trigger that anger response, um, I see it when it comes to respect that the adult, usually the, the dad, but sometimes the mom too, uh, will uh, be offended that the child is not respecting them the way they should, or when they think they should be respecting them. I'm the dad, I'm the adult, I'm in charge. Who do you think you are? You're five years old trying to tell me what to do or trying to have an opinion. How dare you you be seen, not heard, right? Those old sayings. Could that be due to some emotional wounds as, as a child to react that strongly to a child who is just learning how to, communicate and express themselves and the parent gets completely offended by that could that be Mm -hmm. emotional immaturity absolutely and 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 listen emotional immaturity is the is um so that's a wound being triggered emotional immaturity is the inability to recognize that wound and say to yourself oh my god i hate my child right now i feel so triggered and uh, this might be a wound because it, that emotional maturity is realizing the child is not able to have an intention to hurt. That is high level functioning. The child right. doesn't have that ability. Right, right. <laughs> the child is just being a child. But if you have a wound that you're not aware of, an inferiority wound, defectiveness, shame, you're not aware of what you will hear the child communicating instead of no daddy i don't want to i just want to look tv no instead of the no or just doing their own thing not listening what the parent will then receive from their wound is who do you think you are you are nothing (laughs) i'm not going to listen to you that is what they're going to hear and then you can imagine that that would enrage someone right 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about healing a little bit. Cause I know we're almost out of time and I, yeah. you know, we've talked about all the things and I'm sure people who are listening might be thinking about their own childhood and how they're reacting to maybe their children and just all those feelings are getting riled up right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe some light bulbs are going off of saying, oh, wow, okay, now it makes sense. Now I know why I react that way or mm-hmm. why I feel that way, right? And I know you've mentioned something in the past that healing is learning how to feel rather than act. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I mean, I don't even know if you even need to go into more detail than just that, but mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about what you were talking about there and you know, how can we heal some of those past wounds so it doesn't affect being a parent and and, and, and doing the same thing to our kids that we, that was done when we were kids? Yeah. So there's two great questions. There's two aspects. A lot of people focus on heal the wounds, do the work, uh, heal your inner child, and then that's it. Amazing. And that will help to a large extent, especially if you're able to do it successfully. The prob- but there's another aspect that is emotional maturity, okay? The maturity level. So sometimes I would even recommend people because doing the inner work is a lot of work and you're not sure if you're going to do it correctly, if you're going to really heal all the wounds, especially when a lot of are hidden, but you can already start on working on your maturity level, meaning that you understand one very important fact, that you are unaware of your unconscious motives. You are unaware that you might have a resentment wound because as a child, you were never seen. You didn't get the attention that you want, meaning that when your child gets gets the attention, you might lash out. You might resent the child unconsciously. So if we become, uh, and then the child goes up feeling insignificant, and that's how we pass on generational trauma. So if you are aware of the fact, at least on a when you're um, emotionally stable and when we're aroused or we're you know emotional, we that might be harder. But when we understand very simple logic, a child has not hasn't got the ability to intentionally want us to make us feel bad. They they are a child. They are only in need. They need us. They will trigger our wounds. And if we are able then to understand, I might, I'm triggered now. I'm not sure what the wound is. It probably is unhealed, but I'm, I'm going to regulate myself and my ego. I call it my ego. My ego is feeling abandoned. You don't care about me. You're going to play with your friends with your, you're going to your dad right now. Ah, so you don't care about me. That is our ego. Okay. So if we're able to manage our ego and think on a logical level, a child doesn't have the ability to choose their father over me. It's not personal. I need to regulate my ego, go to a psychologist, talk to their neighbor, express my anger towards my child, do anything you want with it, but try to to manage it without acting it out on your child. If you're already able to do that, then you might be able to break the generational cycle, if that makes sense. Um. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Dr. Stephanie, you are just a wealth of knowledge and um, insight that uh, I know makes me think about my childhood and the way that I parent um, and just makes me more aware of, of what comes out of my mouth and our words and our actions and how much they really make an impression on our children mm-hmm. and how they're perceiving themselves as they grow up in their lives. So thank you for all of that. Where can people find you to follow you along on social media, get more information? Can you share with us? 
People can find me on Instagram, psychologist Stephanie. Um, but if you would like to hear other podcasts, etc., Stephanie Carina on the internet, you can visit my website, Psychologist Stephanie, where you will find two of my courses. And the one is the Inner Healing course, it's free. Uh, and the other one is the Self Empowerment course, which will help you to understand your family dynamics and how to set boundaries, for instance. Wow, that's that could be a whole nother podcast episode because boundaries are very hard to set. I don't know sometimes why they're so hard, even if all, all the you know psychology training I've had, mm-hmm. boundaries are still hard you know to set. So we'll have to have you back and talk more about that in the future. Lovely. So anyway, um, thank you so much again for all of your time. Thank you too. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.